Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Joachim Eriksson, and I am the host of This Week in Sparkling Water. How are you today? I haven't really recorded an episode for a while. I haven't really sat here with this. And now I'm here, and the timing and everything is perfect. This is great, because... I feel not good, very, very not good. And the podcast was always itself the most when I was not doing good. That's what the podcast was for. And so, yeah, this is great. You know, like when you have a therapy session planned, is this not how, do everyone, do people experience it like this? You have a therapy session planned and you have it planned like two weeks out. Maybe you only have therapy every two weeks. And then like you have, you just feel good and you feel good and you feel good multiple days in a row. And then you're starting to be like, why do I have a therapy session seven days from now when I feel so good all the time? And then like the day before your therapy session, you have a complete mental breakdown and you feel like you cannot cope with life and you want to give up on everything and you have suicidal ideation and then you're like, a part of you is like, this is perfect. The timing of this is perfect. Because it will feel like a good use of time walking into the therapist's office tomorrow, having all of this material. Yeah, I don't know. I wish I had a more poetic uh, description of what is going on and why. I'm not doing good. It's very out of gr- gr- reach. I cannot hold it. I don't know the why. The why is probably a contributing factor is um, lack of sleep, but it's all very, you know, feeding into each other where it's like, I'm also really struggling to go to bed because I feel bad. And like sometimes when I feel bad, I just lose that sense of real direction and real discipline, really. I just lose the motivation to have discipline. So I just lose control even more. And then I stay up really late and I sleep not at all. And then there's this other thing of like, I become really addictive when I don't feel good. And I've become very, very addictive in the last six weeks, like very bad. And I'm sober and it's cool and I've thought a lot about relapsing and I've thought a lot about giving up on a lot of different big things. I've thought a lot about giving up on some really, really big things, but I haven't given up on sobriety. So I'm doing sobriety and I'm sober, but like I did the audiobook and the, I f- did the only way, Jesus Christ, is it the audiobook that almost killed me? Dude, that was so much work. To get like every, the texture of every second of an, of an audio experience, of a nine hour audio experience, to get the texture of every moment and the weird clicking noises from my throat, to get everything out of there. And now I was going to explain more like, what are these clicking voice, clicking fucking throat noises that I'm talking about, but you know, because you're listening to this. So like, there's a lot of wet mouth noises and there's a lot of stuff. And on the pod, I just let it rip, you know, because this is a, 
this is an uncooked product, you know? This is this is like a ceviche, you know? This is like fish that you just put in a little bit of lime juice and it just changed color a little bit. But this is raw, you know? Like, call it what you will, but this this fish is served up raw. I, for some reason, an hour ago, it's like 1 a.m. at work and I'm trying to wrap up and it's pretty much just me and sous chef Josh in there. And I'm sitting in the office and I'm trying to get my tired brain to like think some numbers and figure out the day's math or whatever. And he just walks in with this book and he just starts reading about the cuisine of Sweden. Like he has a printed book called International Food or something. It's like one of his favorite books and it has this like food from different countries and history of it. And he just starts reading about Swedish seafood to me. And it, it was just such a beautiful moment. He just read to me about Swedish seafood. But yeah, the audiobook almost killed me. I became very addictive. I I realized that the only... Let me circle back now to what I was saying. Um, I realized that the I was procrastinating with the audiobook and the only way to really do it was to turn it into an addiction. Like it's so fucking dangerous and horrible how like I have this open slot that I have this space in my brain that I can fill with anything. I can fill it with any, anything can become an addiction for me. And it's like, sometimes I choose to put something useful in that slot because it's so attractive to just decide to spend a bunch of time on something that will be good to have spent a lot of time on. But it's really the only, that's place the center of my mind needs to be empty. The center of my mind is made up of addiction. And it it that needs to be an empty place. And I need to just meditate every day and just have that space be empty. And instead, I filled it up. And when I fill it up, there's no silence at any point during the day. There, there's never silence. There's always sound. And when there's always sound, it's like, I put so many hours of work into the audiobook outside of my 60 hours of whatever at my day job. And it's like, it turned into so little sleep and it almost broke me. And then the weird thing is like, I was just going to hit submit and I submitted it, but to submit it, I needed a picture. So then I've been doing graphic design. I was just thinking like, I need to just put a picture together. And so I looked at my the cover that I had as a sort of placeholder because I haven't really figured out. It's so fucking hard. Like I tried, I paid all these different designers to make me a book cover and none of, and I need it to be so perfect because I'm so picky with that kind of thing. And I already put so much time into it. And then I I just stumbled upon this new addiction here where it's like I um I pay the AI fucking mid journey, the text to image, image generator, AI engine mid journey. I pay them ten bucks a month um for like the the mem the membership thing so that you can get 
what's called, they have two different ways of getting pictures, fast and slow. And for free, you can get pictures slow. But if you want pictures fast, you have to pay 10 bucks a month. So I pay 10 bucks a month and I do it. And then it says that you have unlimited fast uh, generated images. And then I hit the fucking limit. Like it's unlimited, but I did it so much that I got this message from them where it's like, no, I know we call it unlimited, but we actually have a caveat to that in the deep in the fine print where it's like, if you're gonna overdo it though, we're gonna have to cap it. And I had to give them more money to unlock it because like <laughs> I, I probably asked for like 5,000 images or something in one month. I just sit there and I just, I get an image and I'm like, no, this is not my book cover. Cause now I have this whole idea. It's going to be a teal background. It's going to be something with a potato and something with a skyscraper and something with air pollution. But I've realized that to make it look like a book cover, you don't want it to, it's so hard to avoid the graphics of a movie poster because a movie poster has this dramatic feel where it's like, it's a breathtaking, dramatic image is what they're going for. But a book cover shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be a dramatic photo because a dramatic photo on a book cover actually suggests uh, fantasy and sci-fi. And that stuff is bullshit. Like, that's not what I'm doing. Literature needs 2D flat graphics and it needs simplicity and it could have color doesn't even really have to have a lot of color. It could be very muted colors, but it needs this very 2D quality to it. And then, so I've come up with this whole like idea for what it's going to be. It's going to be something like bright red text that will have like a thick oil on canvas, oil, thick daubs, globs of oil quality to the text probably bright red or white, white globs of oil or red globs of oil. That's the text in just like a block font. And then behind it, a teal blank, teal blue background, and then some flat 2D graphics of like a skyscraper and a potato. And then like, so I'm, I'm out here like asking the computer for, all right, hit me with another picture of a potato and a skyscraper. And I'm not even like, getting any variety in my prompts, I just move the words around. And I literally asked it for 5,000 pictures until I hit the cap on the, un like I hit the limit on the unlimited subscription and they sent me a message and they were like, you're, it's, it, look, you're over, you're abusing this. You're abusing the system. You're asking, they, I think they even think I'm a, I'm a bot, you know, that there's just some bot program to just keep asking for pictures over and over. But it's really just like, a Swede in the throes of addiction and it's like 5 a.m. And I like do it, do it, I do it all. Look, I wake up early to do it and I do it all day and then I go to work. And then when there's downtime, at, downtime time at work, I keep doing it at work. And then I come home at like midnight and I just do it until like 6.30 a.m. And then I sleep a few hours and then I just keep asking for pictures. And when I hit the limit and it literally asked me for more money, I was like, oh, this should be a wake-up call. And I like got up from my computer and I was like, wow, I, I asked for way too many pictures from the computer. And then, and then I 
just went back and just paid more money and just kept asking for pictures. And like just now when I was like, I have to start recording a podcast, I was just asking for more pictures because I need the perfect picture. There's something so like crazy about it because first of all, I think that there's something to how you ask for a picture and then you have to wait 15 seconds. And that 15 seconds is really malicious. It's really what what it's all like. That's a big part of it. And it's that thing of how truly to make something addiction, you have to space it out. You need the, you need to give the brain not a lot of time because a lot of time gets boring. It needs to be quick, but it needs to be a little bit of time. Like a slot machine isn't immediate. It's not you press the button and it's, because it could be you press the button and a, and a screen just says you won or you lost. Like it could take one second, but it doesn't. It takes like four or seven seconds or something. So you, because you need that rise in the fall for addiction to like really work. And then when you get there, you want to, when you've waited seven seconds and you get your result, you want to press the button again because why do you want to press the button again? Honestly, it's something like when I press the button and I have to wait something like 15 seconds or 10 seconds to get the picture, I lose faith in this one midway through the wait. And that's why I need the next one because I've already lost faith in that one. And I think if I developed a really sort of solid gambling gambling addiction and I was at the slot machine, I think it'd be the same. I hit the button, they start spinning and I'm just like, this is not, like I don't, I don't actually, like you'd think that it's like, I'm sitting there in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, this is gonna be the one, this is gonna be the one. But that's not it. That's not the inner monologue of the true gambling addict. The inner monologue is, now nah, I don't like the way these are spinning. The next one is it. Like it's a, it's a complete focus on how, it's a focus, oh yeah, okay, now I'm getting it, now I'm getting it. It's a focus on, because it's the same as drinking and smoking weed and all drugs and alcohol. It's a focus on how, yes, you're in the throes of your addiction right now and you feel horrible right now, but you don't blame that on the addiction or the acting out of the addiction. You still just imagine that the next one of the thing you're addicted to just the next one, like you're focused, you, you can see the one in front of you. You're in the experience you are in right now and you're not happy. You don't remember that the, the previous like 4,888 one iterations of what you were doing also didn't make you happy. That's completely forgotten about. All you know is that there's this one and oh yeah, yeah this ain't the one, you know? But the next one, which is just around the corner, that's going to be the one. And you're going to feel so fucking good with that one. And so that's why I, like, I'm feeling it right now. I'm, I'm like, I got to pause this podcast and just ask for another picture. I might do it on my phone right now just to. So, okay, so the exercise should be looking at it and not doing it. That should be the exercise. So I'm looking at one right now. It's so crazy. It's like they all look exactly, they don't all look exactly the same, but they look incredibly similar when you just say that, here's the prompt, a skyscraper sticking out of a potato, comma, black teal background, aspect ratio four, six. 
Chinese city on a giant potato. Blank teal background. Black teal background was actually a spelling error. Chinese city on a giant potato. Blank blank teal background. They're all, I'm asking for the same thing again. A Chinese city on a lumpy potato. Blank teal background. <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny to me, actually. Skyscrapers growing on a potato. Blank teal background. Smoggy Shanghai on a giant potato. Blank teal background. Smoggy Chinese city on a potato. Blank teal background. Smoggy Chinese city on a potato. I just keep asking for the same thing over and over. Hour after hour. And I just get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pictures. Smoggy Asian city built on a giant baked potato in a Bauhaus style. <laughs> Bauhaus. I actually had a lot of good experiences with the Bauhaus and I'll probably end up doing that. A smoggy Asian city built on a giant potato. A hovering baked potato with an Asian high rise on top. Air pollution billowing off the side like waterfalls in a watercolor style. Empty teal background. <laughs> oh, it really helps to talk about this. You know... The idea I had one second before I started recording that didn't hit me before is maybe I've been doing way worse. Maybe it wasn't the audiobook that killed me. Maybe it's that I haven't really been podcasting. Maybe this thing of checking in with myself here on the mic is the one time when I get a true break from addiction because I am in a liminal weird space now. In this exact moment, God, that's a good one. Okay, pick that one. Um, and when you like one, you um, you ask it for it. Make that one more high def. I I lie. I lied just there because I was gonna say that I'm in this space right now where I like. For the duration of recording, I'm not in addiction, but that's not really true because I actually just asked for a picture on my phone while recording. So like. I'm a I'm a liar. Um but you know, it's fine. It's fine. It's just like it's just you know, it's so weird the human brain is such a narrative making machine. Like everything just feels like it's bad for a reason, but it's really probably just bad cuz I have a broken brain and I haven't been sleeping. You know, I always had a broken brain. There's not some the universe has some fucking narrative about any, everything. There's not some causal effect to anything. I'm just like, I just have a completely broken brain. And yeah, there is no, like God, I have a lot of sympathy for people that see patterns and think things happen for a reason. Things do not happen for reasons. Um, so like... Um, one thing that I get really superstitious about is like how the only two podcasts I listen to are the Ezra Klein show and the Lex Friedman show. It's just two guys that just sit around and talk about stuff and they just happen to have similar interests as me. And they interview people and they sit around and talk about stuff that I'm interested in. And I've had a number of really weirdly like where I think I'm doing some niche. I think I have a niche interest in something. Like I had this one week of being really obsessed with Googling and reading about like traditional ways of understanding time and traditional ways of understanding downtime. 
And like, what did the old societies do? What did you, why, why can't I enjoy a day off? Like, where did it all break down and become like corrupt capitalism? Like, where did I have something? Like, where was, was there something, is there some book I can read to like teach me how to live like they did before with downtime? Because I just had this idea that people used to be happier. And then when I was um, thinking about that, Ezra Klein came out with this episode about Shabbat like the Sabbath, like this Jewish philosopher talking about how there's a reason why we're not allowed to do something on Sunday. It's like, because we need to not just work all the time. Like there's a thing, like downtime is something you have to learn. It's a skill. There's a book. There's God gave us rules. We have to like, we can't just expect to just sit here and know what to do. Like we have to have a context. Everyone else has to have a day off, all this shit. And it just, I felt really weird about it. But then the reason I brought that up is because today I was like literally driving home and I very without thinking just put on the newest extra recline show and I wasn't, and it, it hadn't even started and I found myself literally talking to myself and saying some really, really dark things about like, you know, giving up on everything and being like, really feeling like I'm really, really, really struggling to see if there's anything left of me. Like, am I running out of me? Like, is this the, is this the end of the line? You feel me? And, uh, <laughs> and then... You know, I'm, I said, when the episode started, I just said out loud to myself in my car, oh, I can't even say it. I feel like if I say things that's like really, really dark on the podcast, I feel like it triggers some weird protocol where someone will like come to my house and take me away or something. So I'm like, I'm like kind of maybe not going to say it, but like just said some, you know, some really bad things about myself and stuff and and then like right when I had said some like really ideation stuff, it's the episode started and the first sentence was something about how like there's a uh, depression and suicide crisis in teens, which is so condescending. It's like, am I just a teen? Am I just a teen? Um, am I an American teen? Um, I don't think so. I don't think I'm an American teen. But anyway, that pulled me out of it for a second. And then that raises that question of like, does that make you feel better or worse? Does it make you feel better or worse that you feel the way you feel? And it's not your fault. It's because the whole world is made, making you feel like this. Like the world is broken. Like our phones and stuff are really, really working, doing a number on our brains and making us feel horrible. And it's the same for everyone. So it's not just me being stupid. It's the same for everyone. Like, does that make you feel better or worse? And for me, it's really an open question where whatever I look at, I feel worse about. Like, if I think about how, if, oh, God, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, so this is like my headspace. And then I went to work today and it's just like not good. Like, I feel a little bit like out of it. And I just got in so many bad arguments. Yeah. I even like used some, I've been like, I even used some expletives 
Yeah. Just lots of bad stuff. And then so many weird attitudes today. So many people who are like out there. So many people who are just, they might be angry or they might not even be angry. They might just be like people who just look at you and they, t and you talk and it, they don't react. Like you ever had a conversation with someone and they're not there for it? And then, yeah. And then I got yelled at so much by this one guy who's like, he, he shows up, he's got a room reservation it's him and his mom and his sister. And and it's like, they he didn't tell me the whole story because he couldn't, because he couldn't even remember his whole own story. But it's something about how they were, they had a booking at another hotel and that hotel, he shows up and they like don't have a room for him. So they apologize and say, we're going to get you a room with this other hotel. And then they end up at my hotel. And then that other hotel apparently called us, made the reservation, pretended to be them, I think, and had promised to get them a room with two beds. And we don't really have that. That's not our thing. We do a, a big king bed in a room. We don't do the two bed thing. And so they'd been promised two beds by someone else. And then that, that person just didn't tell them that they couldn't get that. So he shows up and he's just like, there's three of us. I'm with my mom and my sister. And it's like, what, you want us all to sleep in one room? And I'm like, well, we have other rooms if you want a second room. And he just like didn't like the price of a second room. So he just wanted a room for free. And he yelled at me so much, you guys. He yelled at me so much. And it's like, I just felt myself getting so small as he was yelling because I was so tired. He was like, but if the room is empty... It's really, at, at certain points in a business, you get to this point where it's like, how much am I supposed to explain my entire business model to a customer? Because it's like, he, his logic was like this. We're here. It's late. You have an unsold room. That room's going to be empty now anyway. So can't you just give that room to me for free? And then he's screaming at me that he's going to do a terrible review. But it's like, bro, I can't give you that room for free for many, many, many reasons. First of all, you can't set the precedent of just giving stuff away for free. Because then the next person is going to be like, you gave that guy something for free. But then it's also like, it's not actually free. Because after you stay in the room, I have to pay someone to go in that room and clean the room. And... Like, there's this whole timing thing that's worked out of, like, I need to take the money that you give me for the room to pay someone to do it really quickly so I can get a new person in there really quickly. And it's like a lot of things get consumed. I have to pay a laundry person to now wash all the bedding, all the linen. Like, how much of this business model am I supposed to explain to you for you to understand that I can't... I feel bad about talking about that. There's so many. Oh, God. I had, yeah. A lot of people told me I was terrible at my job today. Because I'm probably terrible at my job. I shouldn't talk about my job right now. One wholesome thing that happened is that I'm sitting at the front desk, right? And this guy comes up and he's like, hi. And I'm like, hello. And he's like, you're Swedish, right? And I'm like, huh. That's not something anyone ever says to me like that. And then I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I'm Swedish too. 
And then that, then you enter this territory of, there's a vagueness there because Americans use the word in a specific way where like, if you have, you know, a couple of grandparents ago, there was a Swede, you can, you, people say I'm Swedish. Um, so what I've learned is you have to say, I'm from Sweden. That clarifies it, that's different. It In the beginning, I thought saying I'm Swedish explained, got the point across, but it doesn't actually. What gets the point across is to say, I'm from Sweden. Um, but so he, he, he's like, I'm from Sweden. And I'm like, I'm from Sweden too. And then I just sort of like accidentally started speaking Swedish to him because he looked real Swedish. And then I stopped myself. He didn't react. His face was just like unchanged. As I, I had a lot of these interactions today where like, People aren't going with it. Like I'm, I'm need when when there's two of us and I start talking. You gotta work with me here. Move your face to to make it clear that you know what I'm like. That you're following me. Like don't give me the blanket. Like the blankness is like. Did the AI already take over? Are we already doing? Are half of these people AI now? Are are we dealing with NPCs? Like, are these NPCs that I'm dealing with here? So he was doing he was doing NPC stuff on me. Totally blank face. So I stopped myself mid-Swedish sentence. And I'm just like, uh, do you speak Swedish? And he's like, yes. He says in English. And I'm like, okay. And then he starts speaking in Swedish to me. And it's so like bumbling and comes out really weird. And he doesn't really know how to do it. So eventually I got it out of him. And he's like, yeah, I met you last summer. And we spoke. You also met my sister. He, he eventually told me that there was a logical answer. Because either you're like your grandparents are Swedish or you're like me. We speak Swedish. But he is, he was, he is the weird in between stuff where he's like, oh yeah, I was born in Sweden. I left when I was six years old and we moved to Fort Lauderdale in Florida. It's like, why do you have a... Fucking whiskey. Why do you have a Swedish accent on Fort Lauderdale if you moved there when you were six, guy? And and it's like, <laughs> and then he was like talking to me in Swedish about how he really enjoys practicing Swedish with me. And it's like, guy, you're being so weird. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, guy, come in here and practice Swedish with me anytime, guy. And then he's like, oh, but it's the opposite for you, huh? Is what he tells me. You're here to practice English. You must be getting so much practice. And I just look at him and I sort of wistfully look out over the horizon. And I'm like, yeah. What an interesting way to reframe my experience here. Like, it's, I, like I thought I was out here just like suffering and being tortured and you know, just trying to like, you know, just work through my mental health issues and stuff. But really, no, I'm here practicing English. Like, I've been getting a lot of practice, you know? That's what this is all about. I've been getting a lot of practice. You know, people yell at me. I have to explain to them that I can't just give you everything for free. Like, work with me. Give me some reason to give you something for free. Like, just tell me more about it. Do you have any, you have no information, you just want stuff for free? And I have to explain to them, and it's like, 
This is English class. I am doing English class. Oh, God. I'm so sad, everyone. I wish I wasn't so sad all the time. I think I have to take better care of myself, but honestly, I don't know how. That's the problem. I don't know how. Because when I enter these periods of actually sleeping enough and then going to work, it turns into me having nothing else outside of work. And that's that creates the same result. It creates the same feeling that doesn't actually make me feel good. I think maybe I don't. I think maybe it's not realistic for me to work this much for ver for very long. I this was always an experiment, and I I don't know. I think maybe the, we're getting some results, some early results. The early vote is in, you know. This was too much. Maybe it's not even me. Maybe it's just everyone. I mean, today I don't know. Everyone was feeling horrible, and everyone has all this crazy stuff going on, you know. Someone's dog gets bit by a rattlesnake. Someone's dog eats an entire chicken. You know, someone's someone's boyfriend's hand is completely crushed. You know, someone's someone's going to a funeral. It's all these things that are really bad, and everyone is in a horrible mental state, and literally. Five different coworkers came up to me today and was like, "I'm on my period and this sucks." I think I think about stuff and try to pretend like it's all really complicated, but I think it's all really simple. Like there are really, really simple answers to all of these things. You know, I work too many hours and I don't sleep enough, and I need to work fewer hours and sleep more and have some downtime, and I would feel better. Not that I've ever felt good, you know. So like. That's a stupid thing to say, but whatever.、Um, you can't. Is managing managing a big team is difficult, and it would be a lot easier if I was a sociopath. I think I actually try and like actually try to ch- check in with people and actually try to maintain a sense of connectedness, so I know where everyone's heads at. And with them, when everyone's heads in a t- horrible place, when everyone is fucking out of pocket at the same time, when people show up thirty minutes late and they yell at me. You know who you are, and then I yell back and I say horrible things back. You know who you are, me, the worst person in the room. Today, someone like started crying and just was like crying at me, being like, "You never say anything nice to me." Just like this sweet, innocent person is just looking at me crying, just crying her eyes out, being like, "You never say anything nice to me. You only tell me when things aren't bad." And I'm like, fuck. What have I done? I'm so fucking bad at this. I'm so bad at this. And somehow, if I cared less, I could just robot my way through it and just say the encouraging things out. Remember to say them. But like, when you're too preoccupied with actually feeling and actually. Being connected to people and stuff, it like makes you way worse at it. It makes you way worse at making them feel good. It's so crazy, and like that's not that complicated of an answer, you know. 
Sociopaths are good managers. And then I'm really struggling to ask for help and accept help. And people offer to help me and people offer to give me things. And I'm so bad at saying, yeah, I need help. I just like really need some help. Can you guys hear the the grasshoppers and the, what what are they called? Frogs and cicadas? All these different noises coming in from the window. It's It's quite beautiful. It's a quite beautiful ambient noise. And, you know, it's a very, this could be nice. I don't know what I did. I did something wrong about it, but I made, I made a mistake somewhere. I'm not exactly sure where. Oh, God. I'm really grateful for Maddie's friendship, though. And I kind of feel comfortable talking about it now because I think she finally sort of drifted off and haven't listened to the podcast for a while. And it just feels a little bit nice to talk about it, having her not listening to it. And it's like we just sort of like hang out and we have this thing where it's the closest thing I have now to existing on someone else's time. Like we'll do chores together. Like, we'll just go, and we'll get food, and we'll listen to some music, and, and and then afterwards, we just sort of drive around, and it, there's just something about just driving around, and having this feeling like you don't need to, like, one issue of early friendship is that you, a part of you feels like you have to impress the other person, or be good enough, or you don't want to be too fucking boring, because you don't want to, like, lose... Like, there is a way to lose a friend by being too fucking boring. And and there's something to feeling... Sometimes you just feel really boring. I should say this in I statements. Sometimes I feel really boring. And then it becomes really hard to make a new friend. Because I just feel like I have nothing to offer. And if you spend time with someone when you feel incredibly boring... It just can quickly feel like this thing that's like, this just isn't going well. Like, no one is enjoying this. And there's something very magical about being friends with someone and spending time and just knowing that you're both just two boring people. And you drive around and it's late at night and whatever, you can say whatever, you can suggest whatever, and they can suggest whatever, and just like, Recently we recently we just like we're driving around and then at two AM or something we just like went to the Starbucks drive through and just got hot tea. Hot non caffeinated tea for the drive home from Sacramento. And we're just like she picks the music and I don't love the music, but it's fine. Because I'm existing on someone else's time. Like I'm letting myself be on someone else's not having it be about like i'm i'm allowing myself to not be the center and that's how we can exist in something bigger than ourselves if we have to be the center then yeah it's like just you drive home at 2 a.m. and you're sipping the tea and the tea is hot and you roll down the window and the wind is cold and the tea is hot 
and someone else picks the music and you just exist on their music. And you just know that they like their music and, and you just get to be there for it. And you like the music enough, you know? Anyway, let's um, let's review one sparkling water. I have to ease back into this. I can't fully, like, do this yet. Like, I can't do a flight. So here I did something that I bought a brand that always makes me feel bad. This brand really highlights, you know, this is like the cool kid table of sparkling water. You know what I'm about to say. Liquid Death. They have three new flavors. Convicted Melon. They came up with these. The first three flavors actually were um, puns. And the puns weren't that good yet. So it was like, you had to read it a couple of times and your friend would read it and you'd talk about it and be like, what was the, like, what is the double entendre here? Is it, and you'd come up with some different, and they were like literally different interpretations. Uh, hold on, I have to find them. Okay, yeah. Severed lime. That's like not that good of a pun because what? So it's supposed to be severed limb, but it's like, Severed lime, that's not much. And then mango chainsaw. Look, guys, tell me in the comments, what, what's the pun with mango chainsaw? Like, I don't get it. And then the one that's the best one of the first three is bury it alive. Because at least that's like bury and bury. Like, they're kind of homophones. Like, maybe they're actually pronounced the same. Bury it alive. But so then now they have three new flavors. And these three flavors have actually um, really good puns. So the one we're reviewing today is Convicted Melon. You know, it's like Convicted Felon, but it's melon flavored. So, you know, it's just, it's just a pun that works. And then everything about this is like, they're the cool kids. Everything about this branding is like... I hate that it works. I hate that it's good. It's just like, I hate my, I'm so jealous of people with this good sensibility that can like really come up with a visual and a narrative and a thing and sell something. Like when you have a cohesive brand idea and a graphic profile, I'm... Like, oh, it's so difficult. I should do it. I should do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to come up with something. I'm going to come up with something and, and you, you won't even know it. I won't even tell you. I'm going to not tell anyone about it. <laughs> I'm going to market it in my house alone. And it's going to be great. So, Liquid Death, Convicted Melon flavored sparkling water it's like a super big tall boy it's a 568 milliliter it's a 19.2 fluid ounces which is basically an imperial pint it's like an enormous tall boy okay let's smell it yeah doesn't smell good that's the thing that's the thing man about oh god about really successful brand shit who cares about the product who cares what it tastes like yeah, that's not good. Mm hmm Yeah, that's a 3 out of 10. That is a 3 out of 10. That's like really unfresh. It's also 
Um, wow. Okay. Uh, ingredients here. Carbonated water, agave nectar. So, okay, you sweeten it with agave. That's cheating. Citric acid. Fine, that's a preservative. Natural flavors. And then I like that they, in parentheses, say what those flavors are instead of the uh, liquor thing of just saying, yeah, flavor. Flavor, we're not going to tell you. Here's the flavors. Watermelon, paprika, lime. <laughs> paprika. Okay. Hey. That's so funny. Like, what if LaCroix told us what's in there? And it's like, you know, yeah, it's actually, it's actually all grass. And it's all, it's all just ground up fucking leafy bits. Uh, anyway, that's, that's like, that, that doesn't taste good. What do you want? That doesn't taste good. That's a three out of 10. But the brand is cool. The brand is cool. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm, I apologize. I apologize that it's sad boy summer over here. I don't know. I'm sorry I'm not doing good. I'm sorry that I'm not doing good. I, um, you know, looking at book covers, some of the coolest designed book covers are the ones uh, that are like, <laughs> there's like woman literature is so much better than man literature. And there's like really cool, enlightened woman literature that's like really well written with these like incredibly beautiful microfiction titles. Like there's one book, it has a lot of different covers, but it's called Really Good Actually. Really Good, comma, actually. And it's like really good. <laughs> It's such a funny title. Really good, actually. It's like, what does that mean? Because it's like, and then the, all that, there's lots of different cover designs on the book. Really good, actually. And all of them are a, a woman crying. <laughs> it's so good. Dude, that's so fucking cool. I wish I was cool enough to come up with something like that. Where it's like, really good, actually, is so clearly like a fake answer. Like someone is really depressed and you ask them how they're doing and then they don't want to admit to being depressed. So they say, yeah, I'm doing really good, actually. <laughs> it's such a funny, it's so fucking cool to encapsulate that entire hilarious scenario of dishonesty and mental health and struggling and not wanting to admit things and all of that in three words. Like, that is so powerful. Like, that is such incredible economy of words. Really good, actually, by Monica Hazy. <laughs> it's so funny. The actually, because, like, you have to read the actually, the word actually, as like, really good, actually. Like, the actually is, like, very angry. There's a lot of anger, and, like, everything is in the word actually. <laughs> <laughs> all the heavy lifting is happening with the word actually. It's so fucking good. And then it's just some book. Oh, God. God, she looks so cool. Monica Hazy is an essayist, comedian, and screenwriter from Toronto. You know she's going to be from Toronto. Yeah, she's been published in The New Yorker. You know she's going to be in, in The New Yorker. Oh, that's so great. Women are so cool. Women are so much cooler than men. That's why we treat them so bad. 
That's why their lives are so hard. I mean, it obviously reminds me of the of the book, My Year of Rest and Relaxation, about a super depressed woman. It's just, again, it's just like a really funny title. <laughs> oh, it's just such a good title, because it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I had a, yeah, I had a, a year of rest and relaxation. That's really what I need. That's the thing, man. And the, 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 the it's completely circular, what I'm about to say now, but like, I'm so tired and I'm so overworked and like that's the corrupt capitalism destroying my life. And then what it looks like, the solution looks like, like it, you think that the solution is, oh, so I need a year of rest and relaxation. I need a, a year off. I need a sabbatical. But that doesn't work. Because that's no context. Again, then you're just tumbling through black space, which is a phrase I use in every episode of the podcast, because that's what life feels like. So like, my eyes are watering because, hey, Maddie, if you're listening to this, my eyes are watering because I went to the laundromat with you and we did our laundry together because that's like true fucking platinum tier friendship stuff. And I used your detergent and your detergent... I need to get you some better detergent because this shit's making my eyes water. Like when I rub my eyes with this fabric, oh, what was I saying? You know, if I took a year off, I would just be bedridden, depressed. What I need is the proper context. I need to go back to Sweden, guys. I need to go back to Sweden and have a job where you work pretty hard 10 months out of the year. Not super hard. You work 45 hours, 10 months out of the year, and then you have two full months when everyone else also has two full months. And there's not some like big dramatic gesture around it. There's not something of like judginess because that person's lazy and taking a sabbatical. There's nothing like that. It's just everyone together just decides to do stuff together and just like spend all this time together in a context and yeah, I don't know. Okay. I think I have to end this podcast episode here because like, yeah, it's all, it's all I got. I don't know. Do I have anything else? I don't know. Like, um, I don't know if I should be proud of like who I am on the inside because who I am on the inside the only person who, the only thing that really knows who you are on the inside is the algorithm, like the Amazon shopping algorithm. It knows who you truly are. And the algorithm thinks it's always, all the ads that show up on my computer are like, uh, are you looking for a job and you have a PhD? Or like, it's trying to, like I get these, like the auto fill in on my Amazon is, Women's summer tops, 2023. So it's like the algorithm thinks I'm a woman just because I wear a lot of blouses and stuff. The, uh, uh, the algorithm thinks I'm a woman with a PhD. And it's like, so I should feel, I, I, I want to, I feel so flattered that the algorithm thinks I'm a woman with a PhD. Both parts. More flattered that the algorithm thinks I'm a woman. It's really like one of the few things I'm proud of in life. That and like that most of my podcast listeners are women. It's like the few things. 
it's the only things I have. And then, but then it's also like, there's a horrible feeling of like, I've made a huge mistake. Cause like that's, I'm not living. I don't have a PhD. I don't have a PhD. I don't have anything. That's okay. That's okay. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're all gonna we're all gonna fucking fade into the background in the end. Blank teal background. Imagine a dusty giant baked potato with a number of skyscrapers growing out of the top of it and air pollution emanating out from every window. Blank teal background. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just going to go back to, just going to go back to the old AI bottle right now. Does it make me numb? It doesn't make me numb, but there is something about the 15 seconds you wait. Like you put in a prompt and you wait 15 seconds and the first few seconds there. What's the best part of the whole cycle? It's a it's a 20 second cycle. It's like you spend five seconds writing a sentence and then you wait 15 seconds. Uh, and then it gives you the picture and then you spend five seconds writing a new thing and then it takes 15 seconds. And there's a whole journey there that's like, it's cyclical, obviously, because it's a 20-second cycle, but but there's a whole journey of like, as you're writing it, you feel like the sense of promise. Like this might, am I, am I working? Am I having an idea right now? Is this going to be the perfect one? And then I just put in the same word soup, fucking seven words that all the other prompts have been. There's no real idea there. And then I put it in and quickly I notice that, no, this is not the one. And I start thinking about the next one. So the peak, the happiest moment of all of it is when I, I think it's when I'm writing it. The putting together, the stringing together the words. I actually, I had one really happy day in the last two weeks. It was like I finished the audio part of the audiobook. I hadn't gotten sucked into the graphic design addiction part yet. And on that day when I finished the audiobook, the new Legend of Zelda video game came out. And I'm actually in a very weird state right now where like, there's this thing, this is actually weird and you're, no one in the whole universe is going to relate to this. Um, you know how there's this thing where you like, you think you should read more books so you buy books, but then do you really read them? And so you can have a lot of books on your bookshelf. And it's like, how many of them did you actually read? And then you always have a sense in the back of your mind that you should read more books. And then you hear about good books and you hear about helpful books and maybe books that could teach you something, maybe books that are supposed to be beautiful. And so you buy a book here and there and here and there and here and there, but no one reads anymore. So you don't read the books, but you buy them and you have a lot of books on your bookshelf. That's, I think, is a conventional, pretty classic situation for like some number of people, especially people like me who are a little bit pretentious and horrible. Because like most most women are like, they read. Women read, men don't read. 
And most men, I think, are at peace with how they don't read and they don't like buy a bunch of books. But some men like myself, I am a man and I'm not at peace with it. You know, I'm a man. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. That was, I was going to say something that it was so stupid, but like I, I was trying to come up with a new expression. So I'm like, I'm a man identifying as a woman. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Joachim comes up with new ideas. Yeah. Um, yeah, such a fresh take, like such a fresh uh, string of words that I strung together there in a string. Um, but so the point is that I've been doing that with video games. For some reason, I'm a person who thinks I should play more video games. So I've been buying lots of video games and not playing them. Like in the last six months, I've bought like 20 video games. And some of the video games are like 60 bucks. But then I buy some of them on sale. And when they show up on sale, I'm like, oh, I should really play that. People say that's great. And so I bought like 20 video games and I've played like three out, like half of a video game once because I'm really struggling to get into them. So like, yeah, promise you no one relates to that. Feeling like you should play more video games. Um, but anyway, so then in the last two weeks, there was this one day though, when I finished the, the audio part of the audiobook and I was, it felt so fucking good because I had an iffy feeling about some parts of it, but it, it was really just in my head because like you can listen to audio and if you become hyper-focused on sharp noises, sharp noises are in everything. So then it's like, you think it's really indigestible, bad audio, but really it's just like, you're just hyper-focused on the sharp noises. But so anyway, um, I got really in my head about it, but then I listened to it in my car because I actually had to listen to it in all these different speakers to figure out wh what the levels needed to be on different things. And it's really helpful to like listen to it, you know, in a speaker and then through an Alexa and then in headphones and then like literally on my phone loudspeaker, which is, they're quite good. I'm actually quite impressed with the iPhone speaker. Just listening to music on an iPhone speaker, it's actually a lot better than you'd expect. Um, and then listening in the car. But but so there was this one day where I finished it because I'd listened to it in my car and realized that, no, it's actually all tight. It's actually all listenable. And then as I put that out, this this as I submitted that this... Um, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom came out and it was just like this video game that I actually felt like, oh, this is the stuff I like, which is, the, it's analogous to novels where it's like, you think you should read more books so you buy books and then you don't read them. But then there are some books that are so fucking good, like Joan Didion, where it's like, when you put a Joan Didion in front of me, I'm like, oh, it shouldn't have to be a struggle. It should be a thing where you're captivated by it. It reads you. The book is holding me. I don't have to hold the book. And it's like, that's what I experienced with this video game where it's like, oh, I actually want to play this. And then it's so, be like, it's such a piece of art. 
it's such a work of art. This, they're so good at it. These fucking Zelda people. It's just so like, they don't, they really, they have such a clear sense of philosophy of like what their experience development philosophy is. Whereas everyone else is just trying to make something to make money. So they work, they just look at what works and what is it that people can't stop playing and let's make that. This is like a thing that's really easy to stop playing. But it's like, it's easy to pick it up, play for one hour, have this incredibly beautiful poetic experience where it's like, you're just falling through the sky and there are like beautiful clouds. And there's like this symphony music that's really understated where it's like pretty much just a trumpet. So you're just like falling through a beautiful um, interactive sky with like a single lonely trumpet playing a little bit. And it's just like the accompaniment of music and real, and like the graphics are not up to date. Like the graphics are so basic compared to the super ultra photorealistic shit that they come up with now. But it's like, that's not the point. The point is that they took something and gave it a really, really beautiful shape. And then they just gave it one color. And then it's just like, yeah, that's it. You don't need a very complicated computer to show something if the shape of it is just beautiful. It's beautiful, not complicated. So they just give things these beautiful shapes, beautiful, simple shapes. And you just look at it and you're just like, oh, it's so much better than other shit. Which, you know, brings me to this other thought that I keep coming back to, which is like, the act of making something look easy, the act of creating art, and then when you look at that art in its finished form, it looks so easy. It's like you look at a book cover that looks good and it's just like a white space with a bird graphic kind of like splayed out in a beautiful way and then like an asymmetrical red sun and then like words that are like off to the side. And there's something in how those things are spaced out and the play with negative space and the lack of symmetry. And it just looks incredibly beautiful and very easy because it's like, it's just three small elements. And it's literally like, if you knew what you were doing, you, it looks like you could have made it in four minutes and it's beautiful and it looks so easy. And it's like, really, really hard to understand the truth because the truth is that there's 10,000 hours of work that goes into having those three elements. And it's not, it's like so hard to understand. And it's the same thing with music where it's like, sometimes you just hear a song and it's so beautiful and it's like three minutes and it's like a couple of instruments and you're like, wow, it took them three minutes to make that. That's so crazy. And it's like, really, really, really hard for me to conceptualize how, well, there's 20,000 hours of practice that went into it to make it look, to make it get so fluid that you can make it look so simple. Because in the end, it's just, you just hit a couple of, it's like that, that, that there's such a weird relationship there between like how the more you practice, the more 
complicated shit you can do. And then the more you practice, the more you move away from the complicated shit and get to the simplest shit. And then the top of the mountain, the highest form of art is always this really, really simple shit that looks like effortless. And it's like, there's so much effort that goes into effortless. And the there's so much effort that goes into hiding all the effort that goes into the thing that looks effortless. And it's like, it, it's like, it drives me crazy. Like as soon as I do anything, I see it, but it hurts me so much. It hurts me so much to see all this effortless beauty that everyone else makes. And it is so, I, I, there's so much, I have so much, there's so much effort that I have to put into everything. Okay. Now I have to, now I'm going to do it. I've spent so many hours <laughs> trying to make a book cover and now I'm just going to make it in four minutes. This is always the story I tell myself about the creative process. Like I have suffered up until this moment because I made it complicated. And now I have been struck by inspiration. And now for the first time, I will make it easy. Now, for the first time, I will make it simple and I will, and it will be easy. And it's never easy and it's never simple. And it's never, it's never any of that. It's, I still have to put so much effort into it. And like the only thing I think, the only writing I love is Joan Didion. And she always talked about how every word, like there was so much suffering and just work, just grit. Not pain, because that makes it sound like it's just like emo, hurtful poetry. That's not the point. No, grit. Just like hard work. There's just so much hard work. All right, so it's late now, and now I'm about to put a bunch of hours of work in. Yeah. It's 3 a.m., and I'm about to work on something for two hours. Okay, so that's where I'm at. And in the end, I will have something very simple. Red text in oil, visible brush strokes, daubs. Is that a word? Is that how you say it? Daub? <laughs> Daub of oil paint. Anyway, I love you guys. Um, I love you guys. We're, we're going to, you know, I'm not going to kill myself. Don't call the cops on me. I'm not going to kill myself. Sometimes I sit in my car and I ask out loud, should I quit my job or just kill myself? Is it bad that I don't care which one of those two options I'm going to go with? Sometimes I have to say that out loud to myself in my car and mean it, but it doesn't mean that, you know, it's fine. Nothing, you know, focus on the teens, you know? There's a fucking crisis in the teens is what the Ezra Klein show, show is telling me. It's like, bro... 25% of teen girls have in the last 12 months made a plan to kill themselves. Dude, focus on that. That seems like a much bigger problem than than your your emo suite on the other end of the line. Okay, love you guys. I do. You guys keep me going. <laughs> that that's funny. That's a funny. <laughs> that's a funny. That's a funny setup. Hey, if you stop listening to the podcast, I'll kill myself. Yeah, that's a, that's how you get them. That's sales. That's salesmanship. Um, just kidding. Not gonna. Just kidding, guys. 
Love you guys. Uh, all right. Love you guys. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye.